Praise and peace to you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He is that Son of Man, who is, who was, and who is to come. Amen. We meditate in our gospel lesson recorded in John chapter 18, verses 33 through 37. I read just the first verse of this, first couple of verses. Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus, and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea? Jesus asked. Or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew? Pilate replied, Your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. What is it you have done? So far as the words of our past. In the name of Jesus Christ, who is the Word made flesh, If you could picture that scene with Pontius Pilate, he's a Roman governor. He has the final say here on what happens to this man called Jesus Christ, the so-called King of the Jews. When you look at these two individuals standing there in this situation, that scene, who's in control? Who is the one with the real authority? I don't know if Pontius Pilate really understood that either. Not as clearly as we would be able to say. Well, clearly it was Jesus in control. But maybe it was Jesus' soft-spoken, gentle way that he presented himself. The way that Jesus would look him straight in the eye, realizing, showing Pilate, that there was no deceit. There was nothing that he was trying to hide. He wasn't a manipulative politician, for example. He wasn't someone trying to skew the facts to sway anyone. He spoke directly and clearly about who he was. And yet Pilate struggles to see the king before him. Jesus may have seemed vulnerable at times. In this situation, quite helpless. Just by looking at the tattered rope spattered with blood from the beatings, and the abuse that he took from his accusers, how could this guy really be a powerful king, a ruler? If he was so easily captured and manhandled by this horde of hypocritical haters, and there he stands, it really doesn't make sense to fight how could this poor, pathetic-looking man pose any threat to anyone, least of all to the throne of Caesar? Just one look and he knows that this king of kings isn't the dangerous rebel that so many people are painting him to be. And yet he knows, Pilate knows, that these people want him dead in the worst way, a way that only the Romans are legally able to carry out. But before getting into their demands, Pilate needs to know. Are you the king of the Jews? He asked Jesus. Very directly, very, very fair question. Maybe it will help to ease Pilate's conscience because he knows where this is going. And if he's going to condemn this so-called king, he needs to know the truth. Especially if that truth will assure him that he is serving Caesar's throne. 
that he's putting down a, a real rabble-rousing rabbi to keep the peace in the fair city of Jerusalem. It'll help his conscience to know that he's not executing an innocent man. But there's a problem. The more he listens to Jesus' answers, spoken gently yet firmly, the more Pilate realizes, this isn't what I was expecting. And you know what, maybe it's not what he wanted to see either. The more Jesus reveals about his kingship, what being a king in his situation, what he really meant by that, and he talks about his kingdom, the clearer the truth becomes. And the more Pilate wants to look away. Because looking at Jesus, Pilate's beginning to see what this king is offering. What this king is really after. Salvation for all people. Spiritual. Not a political or earthly kingdom. Jesus said it very clearly. My kingdom is from another place. If this is true, in Pilate's perspective, if what this man is saying is for real, then he can't, he cannot follow through with the demands of the mob. But looking at that truth, understanding it, seeing it, and maybe even believing it, it's quite a risk. Because what's going to happen is he could lose his job, he could lose his family, his reputation, and for what? For the truth? The truth only complicates things. And so what does Pilate do? He closes his eyes, spiritually speaking. He turns away from Jesus and he replies, What is truth? The truth is standing before you. Through faith you see your Lord Jesus, just as he stood before Pilate. Jesus is bruised and battered. He's tired and he's weak. And he's looking like anything but a king. He says, You say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. And by God's grace, we're on the side of truth. And I don't say that flippantly or lightly. That is an act of God for us to be able to see this and to know that your word is true, Lord Jesus. What you tell me, what you promise, is the truth. You believe that Jesus is the king that he claims to be. Yes, you've seen him in his frail human flesh. You've seen him suffer and die. And then later you know he rises again. You've heard him calling to you to keep trusting in him. And that this is not a waste for you to follow and listen to his word and to make that time regularly to hear him. He says to set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. And our king has given us every reason to believe. He's made these amazing promises of forgiveness, of life, the ability to follow him right now, to live for him, and that eternal life that we look forward to. He's given indisputable evidence 
that everything he's ever said, anything he's ever promised, is the truth. Yet there are those moments when we doubt. He claims his kingdom is beyond this world. And yes, we're looking forward to that. But there are times where we want to be able to live in this kingdom right here in this world and to feel something that is more powerful, more secure. We want things to get better here. And yes, we're hoping for our, earth, our heavenly kingdom to come. And he claims that if we follow him, while in this earthly kingdom, it's going to be all roses and butterflies, right? That's not what he says. In fact, Jesus says, that expect to suffer. Expect to endure pain and temptation and hurt. <coughs> that is the truth, isn't it? But like Pilate, sometimes we'd rather look away. We'd rather be able to say, well, it's, it's not supposed to be that way. And it might not be the truth we want to hear or even speak. How popular is it to say, Jesus is the only Savior. The Bible is the only truth. And there are people around us who would rather say what is good. And come on, do you really think that the truth can be reduced or defined by some teacher who lived thousands of years ago? That's truth? I believe it. I know it more certainly than anything else in this world. Because Jesus says, He is the only way, the truth and the life. I get to be on the side of truth. Through faith you are also. Isn't that truth worth standing up for? Isn't it worth telling others about? And yet when faced with those opportunities to share it, I know that I have balked at the occasions. I passed it up. I conveniently decided to exercise my right to remain silent, <laughs> afraid that the truth would stir up trouble, or that maybe others wouldn't want to listen anyway, that I might offend them with these absolutes about Jesus and what he says. As amazing and precious as that truth is, I have to admit, I don't always want to look at that. When you look at yourself in the mirror, what do you see? Does it just take your breath away? <laughs> Focus on spiritual things. <laughs> Does it take your breath away? You see someone, really. This is who you are. Someone so forgiven, so righteous, so holy in God's eyes. Wow. Or does it knock the wind out of you? Because you see someone so foolish, so guilty, so hypocritical at times. Someone who struggles with gossip or greed, with jealousy or a judgmental attitude about others. These failings, these feelings of guilt, they whisper and they gnaw at us. And at times we wonder, Am I really that forgiven one that Jesus says I am? The one that the king promises is really my identity. 
Is the gospel really as powerful and true as Jesus says it is? Because sometimes I don't feel like it. We want to believe our king. We want to follow him also to the ends of the earth. You know who else felt that way? Peter. The one who denied him. Judas even. He thought he would go with Jesus and he realized he turned against him. And when they both made their mistakes, they were overwhelmed with grief for the way they treated their king, betraying him and denying him. And in one way or another, we've done the very same things. In those moments when our sin tears us apart inside, when it seems like nothing or anyone around can undo our crimes against God himself, it's then that we need to look at our king and see him standing there, bruised, bloody, beaten, ready to die for us, because he's speaking to you. He's telling you the truth. He says, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. His word tells us this truth that we have failed. We have doubted. We have followed our own sinful heart. And it is for that reason that we live in a world that is so lost that we ourselves, by nature, are lost in our sin. It is for this reason that Jesus was born. He was born to live for us, to suffer and bleed for us, and to die. His resurrection, His resurrection is the proof. It testifies to that truth that all of our sins have been paid for. That you one day also will rise to live. How often do we focus on that truth? It's hard sometimes because we live in a world that doesn't recognize that truth. You might even say it's a truthless world. Many even deny that whole concept that there is such a thing as absolute truth. Something that cannot be denied, that is categorically true always. The mere suggestion that there is something like the gospel that is always true, forever true, it's often met with smirks and eye rolling. Okay, Christians, you heavenly minded that are of no earthly good. You say that God conquered sin, death, and the devil. Well, that's nice. When's he going to conquer sickness and death and depression? If God so loved the world, then why is there so much pain and suffering all around us? And these are real-world problems, real questions. These things take place not just outside, but even in our own homes, in our neighborhoods, in our churches even. And when we can't explain or answer that question of why, it's hard not to get into that line of reasoning. Maybe there really isn't a good reason for this. It's hard to remember our king's testimony. It can be hard to keep following it. But if we're asking why, 
How about asking, why does Jesus bother to give testimony to Pilate in that situation? You ever think about this? Why doesn't he just remain silent? He knows that Pilate is eventually going to wash his hands and hand him over to be crucified. What is Jesus trying to say to Pilate? What is Jesus trying to say to you as he stands there in that position? Through faith he knows what he's saying. He's saying that he is a king who is willing to suffer criticism, cross-bearing, denial, rejection. He's willing to reach out in his last moments to save lost ones. Ones who have denied him already. He wants to give testimony that the power he has the power to change hearts and lives forever. He's saying that he is willing to die in the worst way, at the hands of murderers, and for the sake of undeserving sinners, like all of us. That love of Jesus, that's his message, isn't it? Basically, you could say the king is saying, I love you. And it's a love beyond all talent beyond all imagining or conception from within the human mind. It's a love so perfect and so powerful and so true that it can only come from the mind of God. Jesus says, for this reason I was born who came into the world to testify to that truth. You see your Lord Jesus, you see your King. And today we are witnesses of his testimony. It's the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. We see Jesus standing bloodied and bruised, and yet he's shining and beaming that beautiful truth of God's amazing love for you, for our whole world. Keep looking at that. Don't turn away. Because this truth inspires faith. It strengthens faith your faith, so that you can follow your Lord. So that you can carry those crosses and burdens that are common to all disciples. Knowing that Jesus has carried them first. He has overcome our greatest burdens of sin, and death, and hell. Those pose no threat to us any longer. You can let them all go. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Set your mind on the truth. God's love for you is eternal. Hold tight to every word. Every drop of baptismal power, every morsel of his life-giving body and blood. May God bless you to testify to the truth of that king who is, who was, and who is to come. Amen. Peace.